So when me and Mike finish recording the last set of podcasts, we sort of talked amongst ourselves and said, hey, you know, the Rangers play on Monday next week, then it's Christmas Eve, then it's Christmas. We can afford to, you know, just sort of skip and um, come back. But then Saturday happens, and uh, Leah Sanderson wants to uh, get traded. By the way, my name is Tom uh, Rich Jr., yeah. and I'm uh, joined by Mike Murphy, and uh, we're recording this on a, on a Sunday morning. And uh, yeah, Mike, uh, weird times. Yeah, it's funny. Kevin Power in the Blue Street Banner Slack was asking, like, when's the last time we've heard of, like, a Ranger requesting a trade? Uh, because normally... The Rangers are the team that is on the other end of this, where like someone like Martin St. Louis says, "Like I'm, I want to be traded," and then the Rangers go out and get him. Like once, once the Rangers like see there's blood in the water, they go for a guy. Uh, but this is clearly a no matter which way you cut this, Tom, this is a failure of, you know, I'm, I know a lot of Rangers fans are frustrated and are quickly throwing the term bust at Leas Anderson. Um, and I understand that, but I also think, you know, you, I think labeling a player a bust is not just the sole responsibility of the player. I think that's an organizational failure, right? It's yeah. It's shared responsibility because that's the word. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. That's the term to use here. It's, it is a totally a shared responsibility. It's the scouting department. It's the front office. It's the coach. It's the, you know, it's, it's player development it's all those things and because at the end of the day i mean i've said this many times and i know it's it's made some people's eyes roll tom but lee sanderson didn't pick to be seventh overall you know what i mean right yeah and and we could theoretically if you look at the entire progression from pick to him landing in new york there's obviously a process that i think that the rangers themselves will look at um not just with Anderson, but you can even argue, um, you know, Vitaly Kravtsov, where um, he's drafted, he has good time in the KHL, they bring him over, things don't work, he goes back to the KHL, he's back with with the Rangers in Hartford now, but now, Elias Anderson wanting out, um, wanting a fresh start, I tweeted this on, on Saturday, hindsight is obviously 2020, but I wonder what happens if Anderson isn't injured at the World Junior Championship and he instead remains in Sweden with Frölunda. Um, but in, in, in that case, they wanted a closer eye on him in North America. He rehab, rehabbed from his injury and then he went straight to the pack. So it's um, definitely an interesting situation. And I think the best way to sort of you know pivot off of this is the news breaks and it was on headlines last night um, during Hockey Night in Canada where they talked about this and um, this was Chris Johnson and, and Elliot Friedman how previously the Rangers had tried to strike a deal with the Edmonton Oilers for Jesse Pugliarvi, um, but that obviously never came to pass. Then we have reports out of Edmonton that the Oilers weren't so sure of Anderson's speed and pace at the NHL level. Um, and now it's, it's looking like the Rangers are looking to get a North South player in return for Anderson. Uh, your thoughts, Mike, on where they could go with this and what type of return you think 
they'll get for Anderson considering the circumstances? Well, I think you, you know, from where we stand right now, I feel like the the most important thing to do is to get an asset that isn't a overwhelming disappointment, but to go into this, you know, if, if you're a fan going into this, understand the Rangers are not going to get a Pugliarvi at this point. You know, they can maybe get a young guy, uh, maybe a guy who, you know, is perhaps reminiscent of Brendan Lemieux with hopefully a lot more upside, but I think that's what we're talking about now, and that's pretty tough, and, you know, it's it might be a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people, Tom, but that's kind of where we are, right? It's it's gotten to that point with Leas. Uh, you know, he we can talk a lot about the opportunities he, you know, didn't have here. And you know, obviously, you mentioned the concerns about his pace. I know Adam uh, Adam Herman from Blue Shirt Banner brought those up. Um, you know, and watching Leas in his return uh, to Hartford, and you know, it was I think it was very hard for us to. You know, we we knew what the underlying numbers looked like for Leas. They were really bad, um, especially this season. But we also, you know, it was hard because we were like, well, he's got Brendan Smith and Michael Haley. You know, he has a defenseman and a journeyman tough guy. You know, arguably one of the last... I, I hesitate to call Michael Haley a goon. I call him more of like a scrapper. But that's not a guy who's going to help push the pace. So it was very hard to discern where Elias's game was and now you know he he picked up a couple goals in Hartford I think he he's up to four goals uh in Hartford at last look it's also worth mentioning by the way in a bit of a happy bit of news that Vitaly Kravstov had his first AHL goal very recently so um see it's not all coal in your stocking folks some nice things do happen and Chesterk in another shutout by the way Tom um but looking at what's happened with Elias here like, what do you... I don't think it's picks coming back, obviously, just because this is going to be a reclamation project for what for whichever team takes him on. This is going to be, like you said, a north-south guy, and he's going to have a limited ceiling. That's just where we are. Yeah, I think it's going to be a situation very much of... Because I think what's important for fans to understand is that this by no accounts is a unique situation. This, this type of thing happens all the time in the sense of a team will draft a player. They don't live up to the expectations and they, they look to move forward. Now, obviously you don't want a situation where the relationship sours to the point where they're the one, uh, requesting a trade publicly. Obviously, the the better alternative is you try and find a spot for them in the offseason in a conventional hockey trade. So, I think what's interesting of note is if you look at in the 2017 draft, obviously Anderson goes 7th overall, and he's not had great results. 8th overall was Casey Middlestat. Uh, he doesn't have great results. Number nine was Michael Rasmussen. Not really great results. And then you, as you sort of just go down from 10, you know, down to the rest of the draft, you have a lot of interesting results. You have situations where players haven't made their debut yet, whether it's Gabe Velarde, Callan Foote, um, Timothy Lilligren. Um, so I still think that the Rangers have an opportunity to 
find something of, of value. Um, it could be very much a situation where there's a team that has, you know, hypothetically, they have a winger prospect who hasn't sort of meshed and this team is looking for a center prospect. So I think that's what they'll try to do first, sort of a swap for swap. But ultimately, if they are trouble finding that, there's always the alternative closer to the trade deadline when they've made a decision on Chris Kreider. They say, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to attach Anderson for that extra draft pick or that um, sort of in-between type prospect. So I definitely think there are options. I think at this point, it's be patient because while he requested a trade, the Rangers really don't have to do anything. Uh, historically, they've they've tried to make things work. Um, it's obviously a different situation, but they were able to deal with you know prospects slash AHL veterans who didn't have a future with the Rangers, whether it was John Gilmore, Matt Bodie. There's a lot of examples of them trying to make the best of a situation, but Jeff Gorton's going to be in no a rush to just dump him for the sake of uh, ending this saga. Yeah, and he shouldn't be, um, because really... I mean, part of this is, you know, it, it, the Rangers are a business, and Jeff Gordon needs to make a good business decision here. He doesn't want to hold on to Leas to the point where this becomes a drama, you know, because, frankly, it's already become something of a drama, right, Tom? Like, this has been a distraction, uh, you know, with, with Leas since the get-go. He was a guy who almost immediately, you know, was outshined by other prospects, namely Philip Heedle, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, looking at how we got from point A to point B, where we are now, it's it's a lot. Uh, I personally would like the saga to end uh, quickly for his sake. Um, you know, the roster freeze, uh, holiday roster freeze lifts on the 27th, I believe, and, but like you, I there's no reason i agree there's no reason to just ship him off uh you know at the first deal that looks even remotely reasonable i would look at you know a team that has that need for for center depth like they need a you know a center prospect that you know makes that leas could maybe address you know because there is still i don't know there is still enough interesting traits about him as a prospect where I think there will be teams who say, all right, well, the Rangers don't exactly have a fantastic track record at developing players. Um, you know, this is a guy who, you know, plays with his heart on his sleeve. I think the the toughest sell time is going to be the skating um, with Leas and, frankly, the production. Like, uh, that he has not produced at a big clip in the AHL is going to make this a very tough sell because... You know what do you, what do you tell teams that Leah Sanderson is to convince opposing general managers that their scouts are wrong? You know if they've seen him play, like do you say he's a defensive center? Like what 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 can you really say about his game? Because um, he's he doesn't have great NHL size. He doesn't have great NHL speed. Um, I just think he's a guy who works his tail off. That you know, should have been a late first round pick instead of a seventh overall pick. And that's, that's where we are now. But it's, it's interesting to me, Tom, that we have, we've reached the point where, where we are now. And I'm very curious, like you said, the Rangers getting something like a winger back, because that to me, uh, 
is beginning to make a lot of sense that you just say yeah let's turn Leus into something similar but there'll be more reasonable expectations you know what I mean yeah and it's it's always tough because you have this asset who has a lot of value in name and um, perceived potential and I think that any team that acquires Anderson, or rather any team that is interested in acquiring Anderson, is going to do so with the mindset of, by the fact that we're trading for him, we're saying that we believe in him. So that's something that is going to be immediate confidence booster. They're also doing so in the um, in the context of Anderson is going to know all right, you know, I don't have to make the NHL club this year. I'm getting a fresh start. I can, you know, close the book on everything that happened in Hartford and with the Rangers. And from this point on, it's just putting my best foot forward. So you think about it with this time of the year, it's, you know, going to be January soon. So you have pretty much, you know, January, February, March, and parts of April um, in the AHL to just sort of prove yourself. And, I think there will be teams out there that have good development track records. They have, you know, good skill coaches that are going to be able to work with him. Um, one thing that comes to mind immediately is just the Toronto Maple Leafs, just because they have a good um, history of development with the Marlies. They also have a lot of different skill coaches, skating coaches, which is things that would be beneficial to Anderson. So, I do think that there will be teams that are going to try and buy low and and they know that they'll if they do so they're doing it because they know that they can um build Anderson back up but I I think that it's it's going to be interesting to see how long uh they they wait and you know who who's to say that there's not going to be a situation that arises elsewhere, whether it's, you know, by an injury or even with the Rangers where they have a need that they have to fill and then they try and use Anderson in, um, some sort of, uh, a combination in a trade. So I would say one interesting jumping off point, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, Mike. So the Anderson stuff comes out and then there's also this article that comes out on Brett Howden, who was someone that Anderson was in direct competition with. And I'll I'll let you take this one because you had some thoughts on this um, before we uh, started recording. It's from uh, Vince Mercogliano uh, with Low HUD. um, And he talked to David Quinn. Like, he had this story go up, um, you know, essentially... It was really just, you know, a little bit before the news broke uh, about, uh, you know, Leas requesting his trade. And the thing about this article was, you know, it's an it's an interview with Quinn, uh, a talk about Howden and why his development seems to be stalling um, and moving Howden from center to the wing, um, you know, which is something that we have all kind of been curious about. But even more curious, Tom is the fact that David Quinn, um, in the interview, admits that he's given Brett Howden a longer leash than other prospects because Howden, quote-unquote, always has the right effort and intentions, uh, which 
was enough to make me want to drive my forehead through my keyboard. Um, this is something I've been... I know, I feel like you... I talked a lot about this with Joe, and I know I've talked a lot about this with you, both on the podcast and off the podcast, just when we're talking about the team. Um, but it's one of my biggest... Uh, what, what's what's the word I should use here, Tom? Pet peeve? A pet peeve, a, uh, a point of contention... Uh, one of my bone that sticks in your craw. Yes, one of the things the things about David Quinn that most stick in my craw. The, thank you, Tom. I appreciate the assist. Um, is Quinn's like applying this uh this demand of meritocracy in his lineup, like this this accountability that doesn't t- like it's it's a level that isn't equal for everyone it's not the same it's like coach double speak yeah it's i'm going to we we like honestly i was first alarmed and suspicious of it with kevin shattenkirk um as i'm sure you were and many were where it was like really shatty shatty's in the in the, in the doghouse of all the guys it's shatty and then like shatty's play improved and he was you know fucking hurt and then you know, we found out he's been playing hurt for a long time, and then he gets back in the doghouse, and then it's like, all right, well, you know, Mark Stahl's on the team, right? Um, like, you know, you have Neil Pionk making great, like, costly, costly errors. By the way, Neil Pionk is kind of doing okay in Winnipeg. I mean, that's a whole other podcast, but uh, to hear this about a prospect specifically, Tom, to hear that this about Howden, that he's just getting a longer leash because of things like effort and intentions. I mean, I don't, I don't, I've said this before, I don't like to jump to these conclusions, but like, is this just because Brett Howden looks and acts like a center and he's a North American kid? Like, what's, what the hell's going on here with this, with the, this assessment for David Quinn to dis- determine that Brett Howden deserves this, deserves a long, longer leash than Leas Anderson or Philip Heedle, because obviously this has also directly impacted Philip Heedle. I mean, Heedle started yeah. the year in the AHL. I mean, I'm not a fan in general, just because this sort of not thing... Not a fan, Tom. We're not fans of this. Yeah, because you can even go back to last year, where there were always complaints about Kevin Hayes and, and perceived lack of worth... Uh, a perceived lack of work ethic just because he was a bigger guy that happened to move effortlessly on the ice. He had a good, um, you know, economy of movement. He was able to do things because he's six five and he's got really, you know, big legs. Well, to be fair, Kevin Hayes skates like he has like a drunken sloth hanging off of his back. You know, he's just is not an elegant skater. But when you watch him and then you look at what's happening, it's like yeah. He has an economy of movement, and things happen. Although uh, that contract of his in Philly, oh boy! I know there was a small, small cult of Rangers fans who were saying they wanted Kevin Hayes here, regardless of of what it would cost. But that was a bullet dodged, my friends. Yeah, um, but back to Howden, I would say I think he's a player that. And I've said this a number of times, and I'll continue to say it. He's someone that would have benefited from playing in the AHL. I don't 
disagree with the concept of, um, you know, wanting to see good effort and good intentions. But if all you're doing is quote unquote looking busy, but you're not actually accomplishing anything, what good is it? Uh, I, I think the, the problem is you have a situation where I believe it was that the argument with Anderson was, oh, well, we're only going to have a fourth line role for him, but that's ideally what we don't want for him. But then again, you don't have a problem with trying Brett Howden on the third line, don't have a problem trying him on the fourth line. Now you have him on the wing and he's not really put up consistent results that would warrant it. So that can only add to the frustration of, of someone like Anderson, like, um, I'm trying to do the right thing, and there are other players who are of a similar age. Why and... are the rules different for that guy? Right, exactly. Um, and, and ultimately, like, I understand the people that say, yeah, you have to produce with the situations that you're given, but... I would think that what's being asked of Leah Anderson in the roles that he was put in and what's asked of Brett Howden in the roles he's been put in yeah. are, are two different things. They definitely are. And like looking back, cause I remember he played Howden had like a little, a little bit of time in Syracuse, uh, Tampa Bay's AHL affiliate. But Tom, if I told you this kid who has this many glaring holes in his game has played five AHL games, in his career and he's now up to he just played his 100th game um in the nhl because he's you know last season 66 games this season 34 games like those there's a strong case to be made that those numbers are upside down like that he should have been in the ahl for 100 games before he had five you know games of of nhl hockey it's it's really tough to look at that situation and and you can't pretend it's not directly connected to Leah Sanderson and his development because, frankly put, Brett Howden was given better line mates and a better opportunity to make an impact than Leah Sanderson. And I you know some people would say, oh, but, you know, last season Brett Howden had six goals and 17 assists. Uh, look at what Leah Sanderson did. And my counterpoint to that is like, look at who Brett Howden played with as opposed to Leah Sanderson. And look at. The fact that Brett Howden, what was it last season? He is is this like essentially since like December of last year forward, he barely scored. Like he scored a goal after coming into the gates hot with counting stats, and people were like, "Oh, we might have something here." And then the underlying numbers were consistent all the time, and we we're like, "I don't know, folks." And as it turned out, yeah, he just he's not he's not that top six player right now. Uh, like. And the thing is, Tom, that he's, you know, he's 21. He's going to be 22 in March. And the fact that his development has stalled, like, uh, you know, Vince Mercogliano's article talked about is, you know, and I know Howden's lines were saying, like, a lot of the things you see a lot from these young guys, like, who are trying to figure it out. He says, you know, I think sometimes I'm thinking a little too much. And I don't know. I... I I don't have as innate an understanding of what's going on with this game as, you know, Howden or Quinn do, obviously, but I just haven't seen, you know, like when you watch Capo Caco Tom and you know what the underlying numbers look like, but then you also see him make these really, like, superb skill plays, and you're like, you know what, things are going to be okay. 
I don't see those things from Brett Houghton. Like, I just, I don't see that silver lining. I don't see that, you know, that potential to become a more valuable player. Um, and it's, it's frustrating, you know, because I also think back, you know, it's a different player in a different position, but I would even see those things from Brady Shea, like where you'd see him make a great play or, you know, skate himself out of trouble or skate the Rangers out of trouble. And you're like, hey, this kid's got the tools. Like, Brett Howden looks like a center. He's six foot two. You know, he has a, you know, a traditional center's frame. And beyond that, I don't really know what he has to offer other than being like, you know, a third line guy. And, and if, if, is there a path for him to become a center on this team? If, if this is where he is this close to turning 22 now, that's the interesting thing because you'll have obviously Zabanajed, who's the top line center. We have Philip Hedel, who we will presume will be the number Thank two God center for going Philip forward. Hedl, by the way, good lord. Yeah, that's the one saving grace of that. Um, you know, the first round of the 2017 draft that they were able to snag Hedl 21st overall. Um, the same year they they drafted Anderson seventh, but. Uh, it'll be interesting with Howden and his path in terms of whether he's a center or not, because organizationally, as it stands, the Rangers really don't have um, any NHL-ready centers of note, and things could become further complicated if they were to decide to hold on to Ryan Strom, because then that would effectively pigeonhole Howden as your number four center. Yeah. And then, you know, that would, in a, in a way of its own, be a failure because the decision to move on from Leas is not just saying, all right, we're done with Leas. It's also saying, you know, you reached this point, you chose the, the steps you took in development, you chose to give Brett Howden more leash. And so if Brett Howden also fails to turn into what you were hoping he was going to be when you acquired him from Tampa, because another thing to remember here, folks, is that Brett Howden himself was the 27th overall pick of the 2016 draft so the uh the draft before philip Hedl and uh and leas um and you know if he doesn't turn out to be kind of you know at least a middle six or you know top six guy it's going to be really brutal to have two of these center prospects not pan out when you know thank like like i interjected before like thank god for philip Hedl because the Rangers forward prospects, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to kind of, you know, wring your hands together and, you know, break into a cold sweat. I mean, there are some silver linings, like, you know, Morgan Barron continues to be a great story. Uh Lori Pajuniemi um is having a great, great season in Liga. Um and that's awesome. But, you know, it's it's not good that we are where we are, Tom. Not good at all. No, it is not. And that makes it ever so more important that as the rest of the season goes on, the players that are on the roster get opportunities to show what they are and aren't capable of because this trade deadline is going to be another important one because... Very important, yeah. Yeah, the, the thought process being is every year as they go on in this rebuild, you want to be a little bit better than you were the year before. Um, and it's it just, to me, it's, I'm sort of surprised that it got to this point so quickly. Um, me too. I would, 
Yeah, I would agree I with that. Yeah, it is very like it feels like this this spiraled out of control in a hurry to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I think that the one way that they could have actually you know put this to rest is had they given Anderson a shot in you know on the third line for a consistent period of time as they have with Howden and then if he had shown that he was incapable of doing the job then that the organization can say hey Leas we gave you this opportunity you weren't able to run with it this is why we want you back in Hartford and you know we'll try it again you know some point in the future yeah it's it's a whole it's a whole goddamn mess Tom and no less a little bit before Christmas Day itself. What would Tiny Tim say? Yeah, it's 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 an interesting, interesting thought. Um, I think Tiny I'm Tim would be sad. Tiny Tim was just in a bad bad state. Like I don't remember. I know he had like a crutch, and he just had shitty legs. Because back in the day, it's just like, oh, what's what's his diagnosis? They're like, ah, shitty legs. You know, there's there's no medical diagnosis for what was wrong with him. Just had a like a bad knee. Poor little tiny Tim. Do you, you did you grow up with Muppets Christmas Carol, Tom? Um, I don't rem- think I saw it as a little kid, but I did see it um, oh, okay. as older. Yeah, that was my family's Christmas movie. Was the Muppet Christmas Carol and the Ghost of which Which one's the scary one? Is Christmas Future scary? I think Christmas Future is the scary death ghost yeah i would say christmas yeah christmas future yeah christmas past is is happy christmas present is like this i don't know anyway i don't know how i got on a tiny tim tangent um there's still a couple things to talk about i mean we the rangers obviously dropped a dropped a game to toronto uh panarin's goal streak ended but hey before just before we started the podcast uh because we might have had a guest on but our guest is probably sleeping in hmm hmm um but pavel buchnevich tom scored a goal our sweet boy and then had an assist so a two-point game yeah thank goodness for that although the rangers did drop the game to the leafs who look much much improved uh in the post babcock era which to me, was not at all surprising. I, uh, you know, the guy who's behind the bench now, uh, Sheldon Keith in Toronto, is the guy who I desperately wanted to be the head coach of the Rangers. Um, you know, in lieu of David Quinn. Uh, obviously, that is not what would happen. Um, and of course, uh, Toronto was had no reason to, you know, take their claws off of Sheldon Keith. I definitely wouldn't have done it if I was them. But. Um, this is kind of where we are now. Um, but, you know, this was a big goal uh, for Booch, and also another big uh, goal streak was snapped with Ryan Strome. Uh, that was great to see. Um, and you know what, Tom? It's kind of a sneaky thing. I, I don't mean to, like, go through goal for goal of a 6-3 to three loss, but Brady Shea has five goals this year. When did that happen? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Shea's a person that, it's been hot and cold this year and also people have sort of been like you know is he gonna uh, turn it around but he's got five goals in 33 games and he last year he had eight and 78 so there there's a good chance that he can surpass both his goal total and his point total so 14 and 33 he had 25 and 78 last year so uh he might have 
a better season offensively than you know people thought, and that would be good to see. It would be good to see. It is really interesting. I would be fascinated to look at how, at even strength, how many times Shea touches the puck in the defensive zone, um, where on he's on the ice for plays that translate to goals because he is a guy. Really, not since his first season. I think he had, when looking at it now, he had, what was it, 34 assists in his first full season. Like, he is a guy who, the goal totals, you know, rookie year, five goals, sophomore, four, last year, eight goals, this year, already five goals again. But he's never been a guy, except, you know, you know, with the exception of that rookie year, where he picked up a lot of assists. I actually want to, after this pod, I'm going to look at, you know, what the secondary assist numbers look like for him. Because, like, are they just missing? Why isn't he picking up more points? Um, you know, it is it is surprising, especially because, as anyone who's been watching MSG broadcast this season knows, the Rangers' defense is the highest-scoring defense in the league, Tom. Yeah, and part of that is them going to the net a lot more than they have in the past, whether it's Shea sort of just being in the right spot at the right time, um, you know, a few games back, you know, Truba going to the net. It seems to be uh, a different strategy that, to your point, has made them one of the highest scoring defenses in the league. Which is fun. It's just fun. Yeah. It's fun to have that, and it's, but it does also. I mean, it feels like we're doing like almost like a trade deadline pre-show. <laughs> like, but like, it does for me. I can't help but be like, and you know what? It's so nice to have all these great things on the right side of the defense. Boy, but wouldn't it be nice to turn one of those things into a guy on the left side of the defense? It would. It would I, be and... really nice, right, Tom? <laughs> like, yeah, it would be at the top of my Christmas list if I was the Rangers. Is translating one of those guys into yeah. a guy who can play the left side. And I definitely wouldn't want to trade Adam Fox. And Jacob Truba is going to be really hard to trade. So... Leaves Tony D'Angelo by uh, process of elimination. And I guess the other alternative could be if they're at a point where they're clearly out of it, you know, what's the harm of trying one of the righties on the left side and see how they do? Yeah, I'm all for that, honestly. Uh, just because really... When you look at how the defense has gone this year, there's not a lot to lose. And frankly, the thing I've been the most surprised with is that we've only really seen dramatic change-ups in pairs as a, like, as a reaction to injuries. Um, which, in my opinion, just goes to show that the problem with the defense is the tactics um, and the style of play that the Rangers are using. I think less and less the issue is personnel although i do think there is just a deficit of you know adequate top four nhl talent on the left side i mean that's just the reality there but it's uh it's really interesting that you know we don't have we don't have that solution uh, in terms of what's going to come up through the pipeline i know we've touched on this before but i mean it's this kind of becoming the the evaluation of this this pipeline a little like pre-christmas show and uh there are a lot of things to figure out um in regards to how this team develops and what this you know what some of these prospects turn into the good news is that there's an overabundance on the right side um and there's an overabundance of talent in net uh it's actually you linked us to 
last night the Steve Dangle show. Um, and I do enjoy Steve Dangle. He's a lot, but I enjoy him. He makes me laugh. And uh, I, I especially like watching him freak out about things like the Babcock firing and all that stuff. But uh, listening to him last night uh, when you linked us to him, like, it's clear that people around the league are interested in Gorgiev, right? I don't blame them. But it is the question, Shana had an article go up for The Athletic, and we've talked about this before, Tom, just those mid-season goalie trades are so rare. They just, they don't, they don't happen. It's so much more likely that what happens here is just Durkin just, you have to play him in the NHL this season with the way he's been playing, and so you carry three goalies um, for, you know, a hot minute, you give him a little taste of NHL action, and Honestly, if Shostorkin looks as good as he's looked in the AHL up here, then maybe then you have to sit down and say, like, all right, well, what do we do? Um, you know, do we tell Igor, just hang on, you're, you know, you're going to finish the year in the AHL, but then you're never going back, like, because we're going to move Georgie in the offseason? I don't know. Yeah, it's certainly an uh, interesting situation because as you say, Shashirkin continues to play really hot in Hartford, and he's going to want to get a chance to prove himself at some point. And I would think that as the Rangers use this roster freeze time to, you know, think about what they they have to do with Anderson, it'll also be an opportunity as they're, you know, potentially coming up with teams to talk to. They can look down the rest of their roster and say, oh. You know, maybe so and so would be a fit here, or they we could make a trade for for this player, and they get closer to um, a plan so that as the trade deadline approaches, they're not going into it super blind, and they're able to have the moves that they want to make, and they're able to set the market and um, you know go from there. Yeah, it's, it's it's there's a lot there's a lot on the plate. Um... Speaking of plates, what are you doing for Christmas dinner, Tom? What's your family's thing? Um, it's like a bunch of pasta and stuff, like lasagna and penny on the vodka. I thought, you, all, I thought you were German the... people. I thought you were going to be talking potatoes and, and root vegetables and, and sausages. No, nah, it's always been sort of like pasta dishes for Christmas. It's shenanigans. My family was always ham, just a you know Christmas ham, like 1980s style. Those were good days. Like a Christmas story. Yeah, just like a Christmas story, Tom. Beautiful little Christmas story. Oh, boy. It's, I mean, we, we just wanted to do a quick little bonus pod, you know, because we, the chances of us getting to do our normal flagship and then off the post this week are slim to none. Uh, we both have crazy weeks with family, I'm sure, as a lot of a lot of our listeners do, um, regardless of what holidays you celebrate, or if you celebrate holidays at all, or if you just, you know, you know, just stumble around in your basement with, uh, you know, with silver paint around your mouth, chasing demons, whatever you do, on, you know, we're not judging you with what you do with your holiday season, but um, it's, uh, we wanted to break it down a little bit, Tom. Uh, the other, I think, the question I want to close out the show with, if you don't mind, is... Is Leas Anderson moved by the end of January, or is he a deadline move? I would say a deadline move. Um, 
I think they'll look in January and see, but um, I think they're going to get a lot of low-ball offers, which will then lead them to try and make a package deal. Was Dragger reporting that he's not with the team right now? Yes, and I would assume that he's going home for the holidays. Um, uh, yes, yes. As in, Not as in a, a failure-to-report uh, situation because although it is, I should note that um, when uh, Kravstov, you know, made his is uh, I guess what do you call it? a review, a re-debut <laughs> when he came mm-hmm. back, he was on the line with Ryan Grapp. So Ryan Grapp failed to report um, to the main Mariners, and then he did find his way back into the lineup. So there's a story there that needs to be told um, with Ryan Grapp, but. Uh, you know, for a, for a minute there, I thought his time in the system was over, but clearly not. He's still around. Um, but as I did mention, Kravstov scored uh, you know his his first goal um, in North America as a pro, uh, a nice deflection goal, and that's great to see. Um, also, should mention while I'm thinking of it, uh, Igor Rykov uh, has had a pretty strong start after missing a ton of time with that injury. That you know we we received so many questions about Tom. Uh, what's the status on you know Rykov and we we're seeing him now and that's a great thing it's a good thing he looks good because guess what Tom he plays the left side um, thank God uh, so that is an interesting fold here seeing him you know have a solid start to his AHL kind of career and um, I think that's about it yeah, I think that's about it. Like Mike said, uh, however you decide to celebrate this season, I uh, hope, you know, happy, healthy, whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that you don't do, um, you know, whether you're someone's going to be celebrating the first night of Hanukkah tonight, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, any anything and everything that you do or you don't do, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, and for our more recent subscribers, uh, those of you who are in the tier where we give out stickers. I just sent out a, what was it? I think I sent out five uh, envelopes of stickers, Tom. One went to Norway. One went to Germany, uh, your your ancestral home. And no, it was, four, it was four envelopes. One went to Texas and one went to New Jersey. So it was quite a, quite a, quite a package there of, of locations so it is crazy to think that we have pod we have listeners from all over the planet um and we appreciate you guys very much and you know what that's what i'll that's what i'll say happy holidays we appreciate you we hope you get nice things if, if you receive gifts and more importantly you have a happy healthy and safe holiday season yep and we will all be back with you again soon and uh take care and happy holidays merry christmas tom Merry Christmas, Mike. I love you.